My name is Phil Reynolds. I'm your uh, host for this morning. Pastor Mike has gone for the holidays. This morning, I want to talk about four conversations that you and I need to have this next year that will help deepen our relationships with one, another's, one another as believers. Uh, Pastor Mike last week spoke about Joseph. I listened to it online. Great message. Uh, most of you on Wednesday had a, probably family, went somewhere, had people come to your house for Christmas and probably read the Christmas story at Emmanuel, God with us, the promise of God coming. It was the person of Jesus Christ as that baby. Fast forward 33 years, uh, he dies on the cross for our sins so that we could have a relationship with God. Um, and there's nothing that would hinder us from that. And then Jesus, before he sends, says, Lo, I'll be with you always. And the promise of Christmas is we'll never be alone. But then once Jesus is done, once you've asked Jesus to come into your heart and become a follower of Christ, how do we continue that process of growth, of deepening the relationships both with him and other people? Uh, Romans chapter 8 says that we can call out to Abba Father, Daddy, uh, anytime we want. We don't have to go to a priest or to a pastor to do that. The same chapter says Jesus is constantly interceding for us. Same chapter says when we don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit will pray for us. That's one element that, that God gives us, both him as Abba Father, Jesus is interceding, the Holy Spirit that prays for us within us. Also, we have God's word, his truth, that helps guide our lives and the decisions that we make. But one of the most important, none of it's the important, but it's very important, is, is us. We have one another. Uh, the community of believers that you call the brook here, if you're a guest of whatever church that you may belong to, is those kind of relationships deepen our relationships with each other, but also deepens our relationship with Jesus Christ. So the passage I want to look at this morning is 1 Thessalonians 5, 14 and 15, which I believe is showing up on your screen behind me. It says, We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see that no one repays another with evil, for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. Paul is talking to the Thessalonians about what does it look like to deepen the relationships, and I want to pull from this very easily four conversations that I need to have with some people potentially this next year, or four conversations that people need to have with me. So first one is this, is warn those out of alignment. When he says, admonish the unruly, some translation says the idle, some translations say troublemaker. But Paul was talking about what happened in 1 Thessalonians is a lot of them were wondering about uh, when Jesus was coming back, the second coming. Some people thought it was intimate, so, intimate, so they, they quit their jobs, quit working, and was just having the church kind of support them. And then the other thing that was happening, the disorderly, they were kind of causing trouble within the church. They were spreading rumors and talking bad about people. Paul's saying this, you need to warn those folks. Have a, a conversation. By the way, he's not talking about the staff of the church or the pastors of the church. He's talking about you and me. That we go to those folks and say, hey, here's something you're doing that's really out of alignment. You're, you're, out, of, you're out of step here. And Paul uses it kind of a military metaphor of in the sense of if you're in the military and you're walking in step, when someone steps out of alignment with that, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about someone in the military when he or she leaves their post, their duty. They're no longer working within the body of Christ, but they're working for themselves. 
Paul says, we need to warn those folks. We need to have a confrontation, a conversation of saying, you're off track, you're out of alignment, you're no longer serving in the post that you were before. We want you to come back and serve properly within the framework of our body of Christ. The struggle is, we get used to sin in our lives. I do, you do, we just get used to that. Uh, one of the times when I was speaking, I shared with you about having an aneurysm burst. It's been over three years now. I was in burst right here. I was in the hospital 23 days, ICU 21 days. But after I got out, in fact, I think when I was in there, I don't remember much of being in there, but they put me on blood pressure medicine. This last, <laughs> this last spring, my heart doctor said, we need to put you on a stronger medication. We're going to increase your, your medication on one of your, one of your pills. I said, well, doctor, is there, any, is there a side effect to that? And he said, oh, no, you'll be fine. And I said, well, but are there side effects? One is weight gain. The other is, he said, your, your feet will hurt. I said, what, your feet will hurt? You mean my feet will hurt? He says, yeah, your feet will hurt. You'll be okay. You're all right. You'll get used to it. So he increased my blood pressure. Sure enough, my feet started swelling. So if this is my, my two feet, these three toes have the sensation constantly that my shoes are squeezing my feet. Now, folks, my shoes are not squeezing my feet. It's just the sensation of that. And so my wife, Susan, she was concerned. She was, next time you go back, so we went back at the end of August, and, and I wore shorts intentionally so we could see how much my ankles had swelled, swelled up. And he said, oh, my gosh, your ankles are swollen. I said, yeah, I know. One of the side effects is my, he said, my feet would swell. They swell. He goes, he, and he said, he patted my, my foot and says, you're okay. You'll be all right. You'll get used to it. I said, well, what if there was another medication I could take that wouldn't have that side effect? Would that be a, a more of a positive? Still get the same results of the low blood pressure. He just patted my foot against says, You're okay. You'll be all right. You'll get used to it. I said, well, what if I, what if I lost weight? Because no, you're strong. You, you're strong. You, you'll be all right. You'll get used to it. He looked at Susan and says, he'll be okay. He's all right. He'll get used to it. So we get to the car. Susan's infuriated. And she said, well, what are you going to do? We need to get a second opinion. Let's just go to another heart doctor. And I really like this guy. He's a nice guy. He said, sweetie, I'm okay. I'll be all right. I'll get used to it. And sometimes that's the way it is with the sin in our lives. It's painful. It hurts. But in my mind, I continue to operate in that, not realizing the consequences that's happening to me as well as to other people, the collateral damage, so to speak of me operating outside of the will of God, leaving my post within the body of Christ to serve my own purpose. Paul says we need to warn those people to get them back on track. The second thing is we need to comfort those who are discouraged. It says encourage the faint-hearted. Now, the discouragement for some of it is specifically in this passage was those who were concerned about their loved ones who passed away. What happens to them since they missed the second coming of Christ? Now, Paul answers that in 2 Thessalonians. Well, he talks about that in Corinthians. And so we know that our hope is in Christ, that when we die, we're, we're with Jesus. But he's saying those people are faint-hearted. Some people are just discouraged. And so when they're discouraged, part of my job responsibility as a follower of Christ is to come alongside someone and be that encouragement. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. It's part of the process of being a body of Christ. The struggle is, it's oftentimes difficult for us to reveal our weaknesses to other people. 
Now, I have a great wife. I love we just celebrate our uh, 36th anniversary a couple weeks ago. And so um, in that, she said, all right, so help maybe get your blood pressure down. I'm going to get you a gym membership, which is one of those things. Is that a good thing, or are you saying I'm out of shape? But anyway, so she got me a gym membership, and one of the benefits is they have someone come alongside you the first time you're there, one of the trainers, basically to upsell you to get them to hire you. And so in that... And so they were real excited. He says, well, here's all the, this is all the cardio and had tons of cardio stuff. I said, well, my feet hurt all the time, either from two to 10, just depending on the day. So I don't probably, that car. well, here are the free weights. He said, we can do that. Eh, it just seems too, God, too hard. I'm not, I'm old. And they said, okay, well, here's something you can do. What you'll do is you'll come in every day and you'll just work out one part of your body. So this line of weights, these are, this will get you an element of your, your legs, and then over here, we have one. This will be for your shoulders. And then this is for your chest. And this is for your back. Uh, this is for your arms. And this is for your abs. So what would you like to work on today? And I said, I was hoping to work on my childhood issues of being overweight. Is there anything else you got? And they didn't seem to find the humor in that. But um, all of us have pain. All of us have difficulties. Sometimes the holidays for us are not always happy because we have relationships that are still broken, relationships that are unmended. And it seems like there's some elements in the church, it's okay that we'll come alongside and comfort those. They're acceptable, like the death of a loved one. Someone's spouse has died, their parent died, their child died. We come along as a church to do that. Someone who's dealing with a physical illness, uh, dealing with the difficulty of cancer or heart attack, someone who's in an accident. But then it seems like in the church body, there are those things that are not acceptable. It's more difficult for us to come around and rally around those people. Like divorce, adultery which to me are the two most communicable diseases in a church because people push back on that. Oh, what do we do? We don't know what to do with that. Uh, someone who is dealing with addiction, someone who's had a job loss or someone who's dealing with depression, that becomes more difficult. But Paul's saying that we need to come alongside those people just as much because they need us even more. It's not just about warning those that are out of step, out of alignment, but it's also coming and encouraging those who are faint-hearted, who are hurting deeply because of the wounds that they're carrying in their lives. Third conversation is give grace to those who are not where you are. Paul's specifically talking about there are some believers who are still uh, attached to the ceremonies, still had not experienced their freedom in Christ that they had, and they were still attached to the ceremony, the rituals, those types of things. Now, for some of us, we don't experience that. Uh, as much as I could, I, I did 23 and Me and something else, and I've tried to prove to my family that I'm Jewish, and I just don't have enough Jewish blood to do that. But we don't celebrate the rituals. We didn't do Hanukkah or anything like that. But we still have rituals that are religious. My oldest son, when he was getting ready for college, he decided he wanted to go to Oklahoma Baptist University in Shawnee, Oklahoma. Great Christian school. 
and he only went there for a year, but I said, here's something you need to understand. He said, what? When you cross the Red River from Texas into Oklahoma, dancing is a sin. He said, what? He said, yes, when you cross the Red River on I-35 into Oklahoma, all of a sudden, dancing is a sin. He went to a Christian school, college, Christian prep school, and they had dances and formals and that kind of thing. But in the city limits, when we had prom, we had to have prom elsewhere. He couldn't play tennis either, which seems it's an odd rule. Um, people just have rituals. I remember vividly someone saying to me, and by the way, whatever translation you use is fine. I grew up on the King James Version. I'm not trying to be mean about this, but someone came and said to me that you should only use the King James Version. If it was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's good enough for me. So he's saying, be, be patient. Give those folks grace of realizing they may not be where you are, but they're still in the journey. Don't try to convince them that they're wrong and try to correct them. Now, if they're out of God's step and out of God's will, the stepping, they've left their post out of alignment, you absolutely warn them. But we're talking about people who just haven't grown in their faith where you are. So give grace to them. Don't judge them in that process. Then the last thing. It says, be patient with everyone. He says, be patient with everyone also that no one repays evil for evil. And so he goes from just being in the body of Christ, but expanding that out really to everyone. So we give grace to those who aren't as spiritually mature. They've not gone through the process. But we want to be patient with everyone. Jesus calls us to be the light of the world, not to be right. One of the tests that Susan <laughs> provided for me, she put me on some kind of program, the, the little test thing they did when I was in the hospital, and it was with one of the neurologists, and I asked him a question. We were just having a conversation about the brain. I asked for some uh, recommendations to book. He said, on the study of the brain, he said, the brain has a tendency to want to be right. And in the same pleasure center where the brain is, this is your brain, in the same pleasure center where addicts get their hit, when someone feels that they're right, that lights up on the brain. And I said, so someone can be addicted to being right? He said, yeah. And so we have that element to where I want to be right. And I experience that more and more in workshops. I'll say, oh, you're right, you're right. And they'll say, well, but you need to believe that I'm right. It's not they're just saying they're right. They want me to believe the same thing. And we live in such a polarized country right now, whether you're Democrat, whether you're Republican, independent, whatever. You be patient with people who believe differently than you. Some of the research around the brain is we, we get so caught up as whether you, you watch the programming you watch because it reinforces what you believe about the brain or what you believe about the situation. So if you watch CNN, MSNBC, Fox, that reinforces your rightness. Jesus calls us to be the light, not to be right. I have a friend, and for some reason on Facebook, he likes to argue politics. 
It's one of the strangest things. In the last couple of weeks, I've watched Facebook and people just argue politics over and over. Then I saw another trend. Susan and I went to school with this guy in, in Ada, Oklahoma, and he's a pastor there just outside of the, and he'll argue with people about religious things and scriptures and passages, and they'll go back and forth. And I think, why would people do that? Then the strangest debate and arguments I've seen lately on Twitter and on Facebook is over the Star Wars movies. <laughs> why, why would people argue over the Star Wars movie? Because we want to be right. You'd be patient with people. And the perspective of how we see things impacts how we treat others. We're at a Bible study class party. And this young lady came up and says, Fanny, I need to ask you a question. I said, okay, well, what's going on? She goes, and she's very serious, by the way. She said, can Democrats be Christians? And I laughed out loud. I said, oh. She goes, no, I'm serious. I said, you're kidding me, right? And she said, no, I'm serious. I mean, how could they? And I said, whoa, 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 stop. I said, Jesus said that they'll know we're Christians, not by our political affiliation, but by our love for one another. So be cautious about judging other people just because they believe differently than you. I have a dear friend. He calls me his Gentile Christian friend. He's my Jewish atheist friend. We talk at least once a month. When his daughter has questions about God, he'll call me. We are polar opposites from the standpoint of our belief in who Jesus Christ is, since he's aces, even who God is. But yet, God has brought us together, I think, for the purpose for me to show him that I love him. I care for him. And so be patient with everyone. We need that for us as well when we're out of sync. There's sometimes we need people to warn us. There's sometimes we need people to encourage us. There's sometimes we need people who will just be, um, be give us grace for our lack of spiritual maturity. And there's other times we need people just to be patient with us. Once you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, God then calls us to connect with one another because we're the body of Christ. When we're all functioning effectively, operating inside our boundaries, inside our role, inside the function that we have, the body of Christ is more effective. When we are able to walk with people and help them deal with the pain, the hurt, the suffering they're dealing with, the body of Christ works more effectively when we can give grace to those who aren't like us, the body of Christ works more effectively. And then when we give peace, or excuse me, when we give, God, what it was, patience, USP, uh, patience of the people, it shows people the light of Christ, the light of his love. So this holiday season, you begin the new year, which is like next week, right? As you think about 2020, what, how will you deepen the relationships that you have? to begin to connect more deeply with other believers as you follow Christ. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your love. Thank you that you care deeply for us and you want us to have a connection with you. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We know that you are the way, the truth, the life, and we can come to you. 
Father, once we come into relationship with you, you give us the great gift of one another, that we can connect with one another. We can rejoice with one another, love one another, serve one another, but also have people that will encourage us, come alongside us, be patient with us, give us grace, but also warn us when we're off track. Father, I pray for myself and my fellow believers in Christ that this year we'll make a commitment to have those deep relationships, to deepen our relationship with you and deepen our relationship with other people. We praise in Jesus' name, amen.